Good evening. So glad to have you here, glad to, to, to look out. I didn't know what we would have here tonight, knowing that we had a, a large number, I think 260 have gone to West Kentucky to go to camp. And uh, so thankful that you have chosen to be here, so thankful those on the live stream have chosen to uh, join in with us. Um, as I said this morning, camp is a big deal. Camp is a place where God's Word will be studied, that our young people will be encouraged greatly spiritually. It's a week where they're away from their devices and games. It's a really special week. One of the reasons they're away from those things is I don't think there's a cell tower within like 20 miles of camp. Several years ago, I was there. I have gone for years and worked a teenage-only week, and that's the week of Father's Day, and I've gone to it since 1994. And there was a boy that was sneaking out at night, and we couldn't find him. And when we found him, he said, where have you been going? He said, I've been talking to my girlfriend on the phone. And we made him show us the exact spot, not because he was necessarily in trouble, but we wanted to know the one place on camp where you could actually get a phone call out. He did get in some trouble, but we also knew where we could make a phone call, so that was good. Let's pray for them this week and uh, pray that God will work and do great and mighty things. Also, as our Vacation Bible School is coming up, that's another awesome week for this congregation. It's one of the largest weeks this congregation has of community outreach. And it's something that start inviting people. We have postcards out there. Let people know about it. Be here that week to work. Bring your children and invite other children. It'll be a very powerful week, I think, in the history uh, of this congregation. When you think about the amount of God's Word uh, that will be taught and the children who will be hearing it, we have no clue what God will do through all those young lives, and we want to pray for that. Let's go to God in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, you are amazing, and we come before you today so thankful for your love for us, thankful for that we have a church family that we can come together with tonight to worship together. And Lord, we pray that you will be with us and help us to see your word clearly. Help it to guide us as we go day by day. Lord, we ask you to be with our shepherds. We're thankful for them and pray for their wisdom and their guidance. Lord, we pray for for those in the future who may step into that role, and we pray for their desire and also their wisdom. Lord, we ask that you would be with those young people at camp this week and those adults who are there with them. Lord, bless them. Not only give them safety, but Lord, we pray that you you will help them to see your word more clearly, that they will come back with a stronger faith and stronger level of obedience and understanding than when they left. Lord, we pray for upcoming Vacation Bible School. Help us to do all we can to make that a great week. Help us to be inviting people to come and to have a great experience here to hear more of your word as they think about how this world was turned upside down by your disciples. Lord, we're thankful so much that uh, for your word. Help us tonight to dig in. In Christ we pray. Amen. It's pretty amazing if you were to talk to someone, many times if you'll listen long enough, you'll hear their story. You'll hear about where they're from, about their life experiences, about the different things that they have gone through, the different things that they have have hoped to accomplish, and maybe the different things they have accomplished. What I've learned is many of us sort of want to know our story. We, We would like to know where it is that we come from. People want to know why on earth that they are here and and where they are going. Those are some of the big questions in life. And what's interesting is people like to know their backgrounds. 
There are people who do a lot of research somewhere like Ancestry.com. This is not a commercial for them. But I find it interesting that it is a place where you can go and you can start looking to see about not only about your parents or grandparents, there's some people who do not know their parents or grandparents. They want to see those things. They want to know where they come from and about their people. And so you can go on this website and you can benefit. People have also done great work on there to, to go back in their family. Many times you will go through and lock in with them, and they monetize it, where if you just want to stay with your history in the U.S., it's one price. If you want to go uh, throughout the world, if you want all access, you can pay for that per year so that you can learn more about who you are. I have a friend that this year for his birthday, he wanted this, the, the 23andMe deal. He wanted to have his DNA tested to see what, what his background actually was. I don't know if you've ever met people that said they're or part Indian or part this or part this, but that's just because it's been handed down or been told something. And it's something for them to go and look, and, and people like to have this. And, and sometimes it's for the, the genetics, and we want to know what our background is and where it is we come from, and that is something that is important to so many people. You might not want to know a lot about your background, but if there's one background you should want to know about, it is Jesus. We should all want to know his story. And it's a pretty incredible thing to me that, that God chose to put in printed form through the work of the Holy Spirit a book that contained the history of Jesus. Since before time, throughout to even where he is now. And it is in that book that we can learn more and more and more about him. We have four books of the Bible that are dedicated to his life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We call them the Gospels, and they are dedicated to telling us about the life of Christ. Tonight I want to talk a few minutes about the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew, I want to guess, is probably as read as any other Gospel because it's first. It's first, a lot of people, there are some people who want to read the Bible through in a year. Some people say, you know what, Leviticus is pretty tough. Let's start with Matthew. And so there are people who jump in and read Matthew. And Matthew starts out with the genealogies. Some people like to skip those. Some of y'all are smiling right now. Y'all said, I know they're there, and I just start with the words after them. Well, tonight I want you to do something that, that may be tough, it may be humorous, because there's some names here that I, I don't know what the right pronunciation is, but I'll do my best if that's okay. And I'm going to read through these because I, I believe these help tell the story of Jesus. Matthew 1, beginning in verse 1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac was the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. And Judah the father of Perez, and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram. Y'all got all this? We're going to do a test later. Okay, we're just going right down. Keep up. And Ram the father of Amenadab, and Amenadab the father of Nishan, and Nishan the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David the king. And David was the father of Solomon, the wife of, uh, by the wife of Uriah, and, and Solomon the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam the father of Abijah, and Abijah the father of Asaph, and Asaph the father of Jehoshaphat, and 
Josephat, the father of Joram, and Joram, the father of Uzziah. Y'all with me? Y'all staying right there, right? And Uzziah, the father of Jotham, and Jotham, the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh, the father of Amos, and Amos, the father of Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers, at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation of Babylon, Jeconiah, the father of Sheotel, Sheotel, the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel, the father of Abiud. That's why I got a master the Bible. I had to learn all these. Actually, I didn't, okay? And Abiud, the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim, the father of Azor, and Azor, the father of Zadok, and Zadok, the father of Achim, and Achim, the father of Eloid. Eloid, the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar, the father of Methan, and Methan, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. I bet you're enthralled, aren't you? I mean, just enthralled, because we're not finished yet. He says, so all the generations of Abraham to David were 14 generations, from David to the deportation of Babylon, 14 generations, and from the deportation of the Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. Like I said, I bet you all are excited now. Y'all are saying, Craig, we're here an hour earlier, you're interrupted by a nap, and I'm not sure where we're going. What we just read is actually fascinating. There's so much there amid those names, amid those people. I grew up reading the King James Bible, and, and I didn't know what the word meant, but I knew it was used a whole lot. And that's where we saw them, right? I, I called Matthew chapter 1 the begats, because it was there. I love this Father's Day card. You, you think begat, it was one that was born, and you say, Dad, thank you for begetting me. Love, Billy. You see this, it is something that is there. Who are the people on this list? Who are the people who are, who are listed here? And, and this is the life and basically the background, the, the descendants who came before Jesus Christ. And the audience was Jewish, and, and that's who it was written to. Each of the Gospels sort of has a certain aim of people it was written to. The Matthew was written to, to a Jewish audience. You say, how can we know that? One reason is uh, he focuses on fulfillment of the Old Testament. He even quotes it 62 times. That's pretty awesome. Which is more than any other Gospel writer. Secondly, it's interesting that Matthew does not explain Jewish culture like the other evangelists. It talks about the kingdom of heaven. His purpose in writing uh, to the Jews was to show them that Jesus of Nazareth was the expected Messiah, and both his genealogy and his resurrection were proof of this. When you read this book, it was written to show the Jewish people that Jesus literally was the Son of God. See, he doesn't have to explain Jewish culture to Jewish people. They get it. That's why the other writers have to do some explaining as they go through. It's also an incomplete genealogy. He, he chooses to go 14 by 14 by 14. That doesn't mean he listed every single person in this list every time. We look, and, and the thing is, why? Well, he, he's going through, and you look at this first list. The first list are all the generations from Abraham to David. There's 14 generations he goes through here. 
You go through, and 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 he has another list from from David to the carrying away, and and then from the carrying away to Jesus. You go through and see this. If you match it up with others, you'll see that there may be some names that that may be a little bit different. There was a reason why he chose the names he did. If we were to go through Jesus's ancestry dot com, what we would learn. When we go through this list, first thing is God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. We, we see this great promise of, uh, in Genesis 3, verse 15, the promise of the seed of the woman, that there is a promise that the Messiah will come. And not only that, that he will come through Abraham. Abraham has promised that someone with no children is promised that he will have more descendants than the stars. And the Messiah will come through him, also will come through David. Did you notice these two names in the genealogy of Christ, Abraham and David? They're there. See, he would come from the seed and offspring of Abraham, would bless all nations on earth. That's Genesis 12, 13. He would be born in Bethlehem of Judah, Micah 5, 2, be born of a virgin, Isaiah 7, 14. He would have a, a throne and a kingdom and a dynasty and a house starting with King David. That will last forever, 2 Samuel 7, 16. These are just a few of about 300 messianic prophecies that talk about Jesus that he fulfilled every one of as he was here. Matthew 1, the fulfillment, behold, a virgin shall do what? Shall conceive. And shall bear a son, they shall call his name Emmanuel. You see, you, you see this here. This is promised and fulfillment of a promise. What we see by Jesus coming through Abraham and through David and through his father, father Joseph, in a sense, we see this that, that is a, a fulfillment of prophecy. We see that God keeps his promises. Secondly, I think it's neat to learn of the importance of women. See, that's not going to be in most people's genealogies. Now, there's a woman involved in all of our genealogies, all right? Realize that? You know, happy Mother's Day. If it weren't for you, I wouldn't be here, okay? Moms are involved in every aspect of that. But Jesus chose to list them. The Holy Spirit chose to list the women who are in the, the lineage of Christ, and, and we go through, and He gave a special place to women during that time. During that time in that culture, they're not going to be talked about. Most of the genealogies are going to be male, 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 but that's what you're going to see, but Jesus included women. This was very countercultural. Who's in the genealogy of Christ? Tamar and Rahab and Bathsheba, and Mary. See, they're in his genealogy. They're a part of his makeup, and he gave a special place to them and chose to mention them in his birth. That's not common. Jesus has given women status in a society where they had very little also, I learned from this that, that, that Jesus, that God, that through Jesus, that God's able to do what? Works through imperfect people to carry out his will. Isn't it interesting when we look at the people he listed? He listed people who we know were sinful and had sin in their life. I'd be tempted to leave them out. 
I would be very tempted to leave them out of something. I, I just would, would not necessarily want to, to, to do that. If you could be associated with that, I want to guess that people who are related to Hitler don't necessarily share that in common conversation. People who may be related to, to a Charles Manson or, 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 or someone like that would not necessarily want to share that in a, in a common conversation and, and, and to list that as, as one of the things that, that makes them who they are. I love that when you read through his genealogy, he didn't choose to leave out some people. I like one person because said there's knots in the family tree. It's not all smooth grain. We, we look at this and realize that Tamar is listed as a harlot. We, we see that. That Rahab is a prostitute, that Ruth is a seductress, that Bathsheba is an adulteress. Guess what? They're all there. They're, they're all there. And, and before you think I'm just picking on the ladies, Abraham did what? Told people his wife was his sister? He was dishonest. He tried to take on having an heir in his own hands. He and his wife did. That's how we ended up with Ishmael through Hagar. Isaac followed in his father's footsteps and, and told people that his wife was his sister. And, and you look at that, there was dishonesty there. David was someone who committed murder and someone who committed adultery. Then there's King Manasseh. You might include the others, Abraham, Isaac, you know, that you sort of look at them, they're sort of big names when you think of Jewish uh, passing down, you know, or, you know being, going back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But would you include Manasseh? We'll get to talk about him in a second. So you get through, when I read this genealogy, I realize that God, what? God is someone who, who, who is a, a, a gracious God. That the lineage of Christ in, includes imperfect people, and also we see His grace. Uh, we see that the greatest king, one of the greatest kings that God's people had was Josiah. He became a, a king at a very young age, eight if I remember correctly. But we also read about a, a man named Manasseh. In 2 Kings 21 and 2 Chronicles 33, we, we read about him, and, and he is not someone who is known for being good. When we think about him, here's what we have. It, it says that he angered the Lord. He literally provoked God to anger. He and placed it in a temple. In the most holy place, the ark had resided for many years. Manasseh people to do more evil than the other nations that God destroyed for their wickedness. Let that sit in. That's who Manasseh was. Can you imagine the arrogance to say, okay, we're going to go in the temple and we're going to go to the most holy place and instead of the Ark of the Covenant being what's separated, I'm going to have a, a, a statue done of me and I'm going to put it in the most holy place. To think of the evil that he brought about, that's not it. God spoke to the king and the people. And they pay no attention to what God said. God speaks to them and says, this is what needs to happen. They don't listen. The prophets were disregarded and some killed under Manasseh. In fact, anyone faithful to God was slain at his command. 
The tradition was that the streets ran with blood like a river. According to tradition, this is when Isaiah died by being sawn alive. Now, now listen, Manasseh's pretty evil, don't you? It seems very much so. Again, if I'm listing out my family tree and I'm going through, I'm not sure I want him on my list. We read about the other nations around Israel serving a god uh, called Molech. It's where they would sacrifice their babies and, and, and do human sacrifice. And Manasseh was someone who, who led God's people to do that. But he changes. He changes. At, at the end of the life, he implored... Uh, the Lord as his God, and he humbled himself greatly before God, and he knew that the Lord was God. It's interesting, you look at his life, and when I start studying and looking through the, the people in Jesus' family lineage going back, what I see is that God is a God of grace. Also, I see that God wants, it has a desire that all would become his people and be saved. When I read through this list, you would think uh, someone who, who is going to be heralded as the king of the Jews would only have Jews in the background of his family. That's not what we see here. But then about God's chosen people, we, we talk about the, the Israelites, the Jews, his chosen people. When Abraham is told, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and all people or all nations on earth will be blessed. That is a promise for everyone. Even the Gentiles. Now, when we look at the definition of Gentiles, it's real simple, not Jewish. All right, that, that's one sense, yes. In the New Testament, when it says someone's a Gentile, someone who is not a believer, someone who is not a Christian. If we go through the, the genealogy of Christ, Tamar was a Canaanite. Rahab was from Jericho, and Ruth was a Moabite. There's a difference. The study of the Moabites is, is something that, that's a little bit different. You go through, and I know this is difficult to see, but realize that the Moabites were, were people who, who were set apart from God's people, not in a good way. Deuteronomy 23.3 says, No Ammonite or Moabite may enter the assembly of the Lord. Even to the tenth generation, none of them may ever enter the assembly of the Lord forever. Sounds a little harsh. But you would say the gospel must not be for them. But is it? Ruth the Moabite is the grandmother of David the king. Through Ruth and through, through this, what do we see? We see that God has extended grace and welcomed them back in. It's one of the great commissions to all nations. It's to everyone. We also see that God uh, is omnipotent in, in, in through this. And we look, and, and I find it interesting. I, I typed in a picture of like oldest people who are married. This is this couple on their wedding day. Eighty years after they met, Jose Riella, 103, and Martina Lopez, 93, married. And they look excited. Uh, 
Can you imagine in the next year them sending out a birth announcement? Abraham and Sarah did. At 190, 100 and her being 90. Showing God's power to do what? Fulfill his promise. And when we look at this genealogy of Christ, we see the power of God through that. The power of God. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took his wife, but he did not know her until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. We see the omnipotence of God to work his will among his people. And we see it through the person of Christ. We see him being able to work a, 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 a biological, if you will, miracle through Abraham and Sarah, and then we look and see the same thing except through a virgin birth, Mary, giving birth to the Christ. I hope this list means a little more to you now. I think it's just uh, interesting to look through and to go through these names and, and seeing the different people and the, that God included people who were imperfect in this list, that God included people with different backgrounds in this list, that God included all these, and through this, God kept all of his promises and gave us a Savior. Who's in your family tree? I don't know if you've ever studied that. I don't know how back, how far you've gone in your In my family, my, my brother and dad have done a lot of work on that. I have not looked back that far. We've had some, I've had some conversations with them. But here's what's incredible. To us as Christians, our family trusts this according to Galatians 3, verses 26 through 28. For you are all sons of God. Through faith in Christ Jesus, for as many of you baptized into and there is neither Jew nor Greek, and there is neither slave nor free, and there is neither male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Isn't it awesome for us to realize that we look at our family tree? If we're Christians, we look back and we see God, and we see Jesus. Today, who is God to you? If God is not your Father, tonight's a night to make that decision. You may be saying, Craig, I'm imperfect. Well, we realize that God uses imperfect people. God also forgives. You may be saying, I, I'm not sure I, I'm good enough. Well, none of us are good enough. That is why Jesus had to die on a cross. But tonight is a night to make God your Father and Jesus your brother. And you do that through faith by being baptized for mission of your sins. Tonight, will you make that decision? Or again, you may on us as a church family to pray with you and for you tonight, and we would love to do that. Tonight, if we can help you in your walk with him, to see him as your father, and to leave here tonight with him as your father, we would love to help you be baptized into Christ tonight. If we'd help you with that, would you come now while we stand and while we sing?